0: The Grace Project has been fire. Uh, This is still us. God is still here. Grace still works. And I think this is a time where we need to understand the grace of God more than ever. And I got this one today. This one today. This might be the most important message I've shared so far during the Grace Project. I want to share a message with you today called Grace Talk. Come on, Grace Talk. We need to speak with grace. I really think it's important that we understand this. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture that I've read before, but it came alive to me during this week as I was thinking about how I speak to people. It's in Ephesians 4, 29. And this is the writer Paul saying, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And corrupt doesn't mean like super shady. All it means is that it doesn't have to be useful. It's literally training us to understand the power of our words. Would you take a second to think that your mouth, your words are so powerful that you should be careful not to just make sure that you don't say anything bad, not to just make sure that you don't say anything evil, but that you don't say anything that's not useful. That is how powerful your words are. It's literally saying, let no unuseful talk, corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only, only such as is good for building up. And we got to stop here for a second. I got so much to share, but this doesn't say, hey, as much as you can try to say the right thing. Hey, as much as you can be positive and speak life. No, only say things that are good for building up as fits the occasion. Watch this, that it may give grace to those who hear. Think about this for a second. We've been kind of on a Bible study, a journey to understand the grace of God. And I never knew until I actually studied this verse that it was possible for people to encounter grace through me. We've been talking a lot about the grace of God, the grace of Jesus. Are all those things true? Absolutely. But there is a grace that people can receive according to how you are willing to talk to them. Did you hear what I just said? That's so good. People can receive the grace of God because you speak with gracious words. It says, but only, not sometimes, only say what is good for building up. I look for the original Greek word of building up, which is where this translation comes from. And building up is the same word as like construction. And the picture that they're trying to explain is that you when you speak to a person, you are building the the container, the house, if you will, that will contain God. So think about our church building when we could go there. I really miss. Our church building, if you look in the rafters, there's such detail The the stained glass window, because at that time, they didn't quite understand the theology that that God was in a person. They literally thought God was in the building, that it, it was the building that needed to be holy to contain so that to contain the Lord. So the detail that went in the building was so specific because they knew this is the place where God would be. And so what I believe the writer suggesting to you and I is that we should be detailed when we we talk to people, so detailed like we are constructing the house of God. You would not see people during those times throwing the wood around. Matter of fact, there's certain passage of scripture in the Bible when Solomon was building the temple that they were they were supposed to work on this stuff outside of the temple because it, it didn't it didn't need to be noisy in the temple. There was such intentionality with building the house of God because they believed that it contained the Spirit of God. And so when we're speaking to people, the writer is suggesting that we need to be intentional with how we talk to people because we are talking to containers of God's spirit. What a beautiful thing. And if we do this effectively, man, news flash, it may give grace to those who hear it. So many times we preach about the grace of God, but what about the grace of our words? Somebody put in the chat. It's time I learn how to grace talk, grace talk. I really believe that we're introduced to this in Genesis, the very beginning. The Bible says God, the presence of God showed up in the earth and the earth was dark and void and without form. And what did God do? Did he uh, create a, a, an executive church team and figure out and plan and strategize? Did he Did He? start working and creating with his hands. No, God showed up to an earth that was dark, that was void, that was without form. And the first thing God did was to start talking. And he started speaking the opposite of what he was seeing. Now, I know we are in a tough time. I know this might be the toughest time you've ever experienced in your life. And I know you want to plan. I know you like to have it all together. I know you like to have a strategy. But what of the very first thing, just like Genesis, is that you need to start talking, speaking the opposite of what you are seeing. Church, that is Grace talk. God showed up to the earth and saw something and just begin to speak differently than what he was seeing. Maybe even in our spouses, maybe even in our friends, maybe even in our children. Maybe God is saying, can you see darkness and speak life? Can you see death, excuse me, darkness and, and speak light? Can you see death and speak life? Can you see disappointment and, and, and speak encouragement? Do you have the ability because God's spirit is in you? To say the opposite of what you are seeing. The Bible says God showed up. It was dark. Genesis 1 3 says, then God said, let there be light. And there was, and there was, I love this. And I'm talking to some of my practical people right now, because to be honest with you, uh, we need a miracle. and, And I love practical people. Matter of fact, I can be a bit impractical. So I like to have practical people around me so I don't ruin my life. Um, but right now in many areas of our life, we need a miracle. And I want you to write this down. Being practical is rarely the catalyst for the impossible. I'm going to say that again. Being practical is rarely the catalyst for the impossible. And I know what you're thinking. Oh no, I'm practical. That means I'm never going to see the impossible. No, 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 no. Being practical is a good thing. It really is but it's gotta be in order. You know what I have found? That the reason that being practical is rarely the catalyst for the impossible, because we only wanna move forward if we can figure out how it can practically happen. What is is practical? It means to practice, it means that we do it. If we can do it, it can happen. But the impossible is something that only God can do. Practicality is important, but I've often found out found out that what being practical does is it maintains and grows what belief brought in. I'm going to say that again. You need faith. You need belief. You need to believe God for the impossible. And when the impossible shows up and you get those finances, now you need to get on a budget. Now you need to invest. Now you need to watch what you spend. I'm not saying practicality doesn't have its place, but it often helps maintain and helps you keep what belief brought in. And so I really believe that if we're not careful, that we start getting practical when we see situations and start trying to plan and fix, and God wants you to speak. And the Bible says this is so important when we talk to people, it actually can give them grace. So many times we compliment people, right? But we don't prophesy. We say, man, you're really good at doing that. You're really good at being an artist. We, we say that a lot, but we don't ever say, man, one day you're going to be a really good artist because we need to be able to see where they're at today and prophesy where they'll be at tomorrow. Being practical is rarely the catalyst for the impossible. If we want to see the impossible, we got to start using our words. God said, let there be light. Not only did he say, though, let there be light and there was light. Get this in Hebrews one verses three and six through the message version. Again, I'm just trying to, to really give us a foundation on how powerful God's words are, therefore how powerful our words can be. But in the message version of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says this, Going through a long line of prophets, God has been addressing our ancestors in different ways for centuries. Recently, he spoke to us directly through his son. Sending Jesus was not just a historical event, it was a, histor- it was a historical message to you and I that is continuing to unfold. We can't just make sure that we, we can't make, sh- we got to make sure that we don't just read the Bible and, and understand the theology, but we understand that when God sent Jesus, he was trying to tell us something. He wasn't just trying to inform us, he was trying to speak to us that he loved us. It says he, he spoke to us directly through his son. And by his son, God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the son at the end. This son, Jesus, perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says. Powerful words. What am I saying to you, Oasis Church? I hope you are getting fired up. Not only did what God say bring about the universe, the light, but what God said held it together. Can I just submit something to you that what God said to you in the last season brought it into your life and what you've been saying in this season is tearing it apart. I'm presenting to you that what God said not only brought it, but it held it together. So when God speaks a word, when we when we get that word fulfilled in our life, we got to make sure that we continue to speak the word of the Lord over our situation, over our family, over our finances. Because not only does the word bring it in, the word holds it together. It says God holds everything together by his words. Do you feel like you're in a season where you can't hold it together? Speak. Speak. Prophesy over your situation over your situation. Do you feel like somebody else? Maybe they can't hold it together. The Bible says speak. They might get the grace to move on from what you said. Somebody shoot a text after this sermon is over. Somebody pick up the phone and call because you might give somebody the grace to move on and to move forward and to fight the good fight of faith. I know you're a planner here. What I'm saying? I know you're practical, but write this down. Your plans need to be birthed out of your prophecies. That's good. Thank you. I was waiting for you to say something. I know you just can't. I said your plans need to be birthed. of your prophecy. Don't start planning and you don't have a word. Don't start planning and you haven't read your Bible. Don't start planning and you haven't prayed. Before I got a plan, I need a prophecy. I need to know what God is saying. And I want you to write this down too. you. Might as well keep your pen out. I don't want to know what to do more than I want to know what God said. I don't want to know what to do more than I want to know what God said. I need God to speak to me because God's words come with grace. And then if I can repeat what God said to me to someone else, the Bible says I'm talking grace talk that someone might receive grace from what I said. I am preaching. Put in the chat. He's preaching. I'm here by myself with my wife. I need some encouragement. You're preaching, babe. Thank you so much. Shoot. I need you to write this down, too. I told you to keep your pen out. Cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some fire right now. Ready? Many of us don't know what God is saying prophecy because we don't know what God said the Bible. I'm going to say that again. If you want to know what God is saying in this season, so you can receive the grace to be able to move forward. If you want to be able to speak over people's lives, so they might get grace from what you said, you got to make sure That you don't spend so much time trying to figure out what God is saying, that you don't spend time learning what God said through the word of God. This is so important. Matter of fact, our words are so important. God said in Isaiah 27, verse one, that he was going to deal with a certain demonic spirit. And I'm going to I know this is like, oh, shoot, we just jump. I was getting hyped. Now we just jump straight to demons. Okay, pastor. Um, But he was dealing with. demonic spirit. And he says he was going to do something to a specific type of demonic spirit. In Isaiah 27 verse one, it says in that day, this is the redemption. Come on. Are you believing for God to redeem everything that we've lost during this season? The caption says the redemption of Israel, the redemption of Oasis Church, the redemption of our nation is coming. And it says in Isaiah 21 verse one, in that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. I know you say, like, what, what, Leviathan? Wait, did we just take a left? It's important you understand the word of God. Nearly every Bible scholar agrees that this demonic spirit of Leviathan that God was talking about getting rid of, one of the things that this demonic spirit would do would be to twist the words of people and twist the words of God. That that a twisting serpent, it's a twisting spirit. You ever sometimes say something to somebody and you say something and you're like, hey, I just wanna tell you something. You say something to somebody and you feel like it's kind and all of a sudden they heard something completely different and they're angry at you and you're like, what did I say? Sometimes there's a spirit that twists the words of what you say to somebody you love so they hear it different than what you said. This is the main spirit that tries to twist what God said. Think about this. It was kind of like that with Adam and Eve where the enemy showed up and said, did God really say? Bible scholars agree that this demonic spirit twists the words of God, not twist his words, God's saying the word correctly, but twist how you hear it. And so you hear it differently. I had somebody tell me one time, a few years back, they said, I was praying, and it sure I knew it was the Lord. He said, God, God said to me, I'm sick of you not listening to me. That's what he said. He said, I'm sick of you not listening to me. And I said, that's not God. God would not talk to you that way. Sure. God would tell you that he wants you to learn more about obedience and he wants you to learn more about who he is, but he would just never say, I'm sick of you. And so that's an example of what this spirit does. It twists the words of God. And if we're not careful, we can realize that it can twist the words that people are trying to say to us. They can try to tell us the truth. And all we hear is judgment. When they're not judging us, they're telling us the truth. Psalm 56 verses 4 and 5. David says this, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me all day long? They twist my words, all their schemes are for my ruin. David was talking about this twisting spirit that would come in and twist the words that David had to say. Now, we got to be careful for all my people that you are just you shoot straight from the from the hip. You're a truth teller. You got to be careful that you don't say things unkind. And then when somebody calls you on it, you say, you got a Leviathan spirit. You twisted my words. No, no, no. Sometimes it is us. We do need to say things better, but sometimes we do say things the way the Lord is telling us to say them. And those words get twisted around. I really believe as a church, we need to learn to speak in a way that gives grace to those who hear what We say Jesus was so good at this in Luke chapter four, verse 22. It says, and all who spoke well of him and all spoke well of him, Jesus, and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Wouldn't that be a great compliment that people would marvel not just at what you say, but how you say it, that they would marvel. Wow, I've never met anybody who speaks with such gracious words. And then they say something interesting. Is this this not Joseph's son? I don't know why they said that. Maybe Joseph was hard on people because they were like, wow, this guy is amazing. Look at his gracious words. Isn't he Joseph's son? Joseph used to like, you know, he'll get on you. I don't know why they said that, but they were marveling at how gracious Jesus' words were. Proverbs 15. 23. Fitting verse in the middle of a pandemic says this. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Doesn't that back up what the verse said earlier? Man, let no corrupting talk. Ephesians four twenty-nine, Come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and Proverbs 15 23 is saying everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. A global pandemic is the wrong time, but it is the right time for you to say the right thing. It's not about the timing, it's about what you say. And I really believe that in this season we need to be speaking in a way that gives grace to those who hear it. Colossians 4:6 says this: Let your speech Always put in the chat, always let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Your speech needs to have some Lowry's on it, some some adobo. Don't just sprinkle a little bit on it. I mean, you need that right there. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. I should have named the sermon Lowry's talk because it says your grace needs, your speech needs to be seasoned. I want you to write this down before we read the closing verse. How you say it, grace, is often more important than what you say. Truth. James 3 verses 1 through 6, uh, as we close, say this. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church For we who teach will be judged more strictly. And then the next verse seems to allude to how we will be judged. Verse two says, indeed, we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, but if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Think about that thing you want to overcome in this season of your life. Think about that issue, that that sin, that habit. The Bible says maybe if you would start with controlling what comes out of your mouth, you could control yourself in every other way. Verse three says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. Ooh, that is good. I wouldn't even plan on elaborating on that. Verse 4, I'm gonna say it again. And a small rudder makes a huge ship wherever turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. It is saying that a huge ship is controlled by a small s- s- rudder in a big storm. This is a huge storm. You might have a huge ship, if you will, huge purpose over your life. And the words of your mouth represent the rudder that steers the purpose that is on your life that represents the ship, the ship, no matter the storm. It doesn't matter if there's a pandemic, your words that come out of your mouth can steer your purpose in the right direction. This is so important in the same way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. The enemy wants to set your words on fire with the fire of hell so that your words will set your life on fire, too. I want you to write this down and then I'm going to pray. If the enemy can get hell to come out of your mouth, the enemy can get hell to show up in your life. We have got to be people who understand the power of grace talk using words when we're telling the truth. Don't forget to tell the truth. Hear my heart. But when we tell the truth, their words so gracious, grace just means that we understand. And I know you might say, well, how do I say something to someone in a gracious way? Well, you're not ready to tell them the truth if you're irritated or mad at them because they're not doing the truth you're about to tell them. Jesus is not mad at us. He he tells us the truth because he loves us and he believes in us. So if you tell someone the truth, I'll give you a practical example. I obviously have employees, right? If I tell my employee the truth because I want them to do a better job to please me, that often never involves grace. If they sense it all, that if they don't do what I'm telling them, that they're going to lose their job. I get accountability, but I don't want to tell an employee something and they're they're afraid if they don't get it right, they're going to lose their job. I want to tell an employee that I believe in them, that I love them, I want to tell that same person, hey, I can see you doing this one day. So I'm going to correct how you do this right now because I can see the call of God on your life. I'm saying it with grace. I'm saying it with belief in them. I'm not irritated. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. And if I am, I wait to have the conversation until I'm not. Set the tone to be able to tell the truth, knowing what I'm about to say is going to be so kind, so gracious that they're going to walk away grateful that I was willing to tell them the truth and that I believe in them. Let your words be gracious. People need the grace of God. It is my prayer, and I'm gonna pray right now, that God would move in your heart to teach you how to get better at Grace Talk. Father in heaven, we thank you. For everybody under the sound of my voice, I'm praying that gracious words would flow out of their mouth. And I'm sensing right now, Lord, that someone has a hard time giving compliments, someone has a hard time and you say, I don't have a way with words. Maybe write a letter, write an email, Lord. Would you put it on their heart to write down gracious words? And if they have to go as far as humbling themselves, Lord, to read those gracious words that they wrote down about that person to them because they can't find the words um, spontaneously, Lord. Humble them, Lord. We gotta get better at grace talk. And God, I'm, I'm inviting you in, Lord, to my life to help me get Better at speaking words that give grace to those who hear them, Lord. And I pray right now for everyone listening and watching that you would give them the words that when people would hear those words, that they would receive grace as well. Lord, we really need this message. Our words are going to create in this next season. Our words are going to give grace to people in this next season. And we need you to show us how. In Jesus name. Amen.